Amen. And that is exactly what we hope this morning. We want to speak the name of Jesus and magnify his name. Uh, do want to welcome those of you who are joining with us online. If you're there on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, be sure to heart to like, to share, subscribe there, follow us. Uh, all those things help uh, to get with their algorithms to get the word out even more. Make sure you do some comments there and, and maybe share what, what's going on. If you have some prayer requests, uh, you can share those on any of those platforms. We'll see them. Uh, and Wednesday nights, we use our Facebook Live to see the live stream there. Welcome to those who are listening on our phone live streaming. Uh, we know we have several who listen uh, through that, and so thank you for being with us this morning also. If you do have access to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com, uh, if you would, go under the info tab there. It's where you can download uh, this week's worship bulletin as well as the children's worship bulletins. If you need those in person, those are at the doors. They're in the windowsills. Uh, the children's worship ones are over here uh, in the windowsill to my right. Uh, so be sure to get one of those. Uh, you can download them from the internet. You can send the link uh, there to anybody that you want. There's one for ages 3 and up and one for ages 7 and up uh, if you get the ones over here in person. And then also don't forget that we have our prayer list under that info tab. So be sure to download that and be praying through uh, the many prayer requests that are on that list. But we just want to welcome everybody who's here with us this morning uh, in our service. Uh, it's warm in the house of the Lord, isn't it? <laughs> At least we're not out there where it's cold. <laughs> so uh, glad to be here uh, this morning to fellowship and to worship uh, together. So Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us in our first hymn. Good morning all. If you speak Jesus, then you've got a story to tell. Join us as we sing. We have a story to tell. 586. <laughs> we have a story to tell to the nations that shall turn.
You'll notice in your bulletins as well as on the screen, our missionary of the week is Patrick Stein. Uh, he is serving North African and Middle Eastern peoples. Uh, he uh, is being used by God in some unique ways uh, in ministering to the Muslim cultures uh, there in the place that he's serving. Uh, it's a Muslim-majority region uh, where Christians are often uh, persecuted. And he wondered what would it take to get people engaged in Bible stories uh, as they were with their phone. Uh, and an idea took shape. He began to think about uh, why not create oral Bible stories uh, for phones and because many people use headphones and earbuds and things like that they could listen without others around them hearing and it would make it less uh, threatening uh, for them to hear uh, the gospel message and so uh, that's one of the ways that they've been able to share the gospel as well as on social media people can ask questions there uh, and then you'll see there some more of the story where he actually has met some of those individuals uh, in person to walk alongside them and to disciple them as they come to faith in Christ. So we want to remember Patrick Stein uh, in our prayers. We want to remember all of our missionaries in our prayers in uh, stateside in North America as well as around the world. Uh, we want to remember our missionaries who are serving across Tennessee and all of those ministries also that we support uh, as a church. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for our missionaries this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessing of who you are and all that you have done for us. Father, we thank you for the salvation you've made a way for us through Jesus Christ to have eternal life. And Father, I pray this morning as there are many millions of millions of people around this world who do not know Christ, thank you, Lord, for the call upon people's hearts to go and be missionaries like Patrick Stein. Father, we just pray that you will continue to open up many opportunities uh, for him and his family to share the gospel, uh, as well as uh, through the innovative ways that they're using through oral Bible stories on people's phones, uh, as well as on social media. Lord, I pray that you'll help them to be able to connect with those individuals and to have uh, those face-to-face -face conversations as they lead them to faith in Christ and as they disciple them uh, through their walk with you. 
And so, Lord, we pray your blessings upon our missionaries. We pray, pray for you to place a hedge of protection about them. We pray, God, that you would bless us, uh, that as we give to our offerings uh, each and every Sunday that go to support our missionaries, uh, that it would be a blessing to them, as well as uh, through our Lottie Moon Christmas offering and our Annie Armstrong Easter offering that will be taken later. Father, we just pray that you would uh, bless those missionaries as they are there on our behalf, sharing the gospel in places that we may never be able to go. And so we ask, Lord, for your, plan, your head, hand to be upon them uh, to provide for every need uh, that they have. So, Father, we pray this morning as we come to worship you. And, Lord, I pray that uh, as we come, as we're singing these songs that we're singing this morning, may you prepare our hearts, Lord, to be in your presence, to hear your voice uh, speaking to our hearts. And we just want to uplift the name of Jesus. Jesus this morning. We want you to be magnified, you to be glorified. Lord, that if there's any person who's here who doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation for them. And Lord, if for those who, who maybe you may be working in their hearts, uh, leading them to come and join this fellowship, Lord, I pray that uh, you would stir them in their hearts to give them uh, direction if this is the place you would have them to become involved. So Lord, thank you for all that you're doing uh, through our church, and we ask your blessings upon us in this service this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let me just remind you, too, uh, if you're at home especially, uh, that you can do your online giving there at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. Go to that far right-hand side, and you can click the Give Online tab there. Uh, you can do your regular offering, your uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering in person. Those envelopes should be in the pews in front of you. Uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offerings are in the windows, so be sure to grab one of those. And do continue to pray about giving towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, praying for uh, those missionaries. There's a few things that are upcoming that I do want to uh, just mention briefly. Uh, this morning. Uh, you'll hear some more about it a little bit later just to remind you. Uh, one of the things is yesterday I went to our association. Uh, we had a meeting for disaster relief uh, in trying to get our disaster relief team restarted for the association. So if that might be something that you're interested in, uh, in working in disaster relief, there's a myriad of opportunities in doing that. Uh, so even if maybe you're not comfortable doing mud out or chainsaw, there are a whole lot of other ways. You can help wash clothes. You can help to man a feeding unit. You can help to uh, do, uh, do shower units, all kinds of ways. You can help with security. Uh, there's all kinds of ways you can help with disaster relief. If you're interested, uh, see me over the next month here. We're going to be uh, having some training that's going to be coming up, and we want to get you plugged in uh, to that. And then coming up this Saturday, our Duck River Baptist Association is putting together a men's night of worship. It's going to be over at Rutledge Falls uh, Baptist Church. The dinner is going to be at 5, uh, and then the meeting will be from 6 to 8. It's going to be an awesome opportunity. There's a lot of uh, planning and preparation that's gone into this by Brother Matt Ledbetter, who shared uh, Wednesday night before last. Uh, so uh, just want to encourage you, if you are interested in going to that, to our men's night of worship, there's a ladies' night of worship that's going to be coming up later uh, in the spring, uh, but they're doing the men's night of worship this coming Saturday. If you're interested in going to that, please see me before you leave uh, this morning. I'll be at this door uh, greeting people as they leave. So if you want to catch me at this door and just let me know that uh, because they do need to know a total of how many are coming. And then just want to remind you, I've seen some in the offering plate this morning. We have uh, the Hoosier One uh, bookmarks and cards down here at the front in front of the pulpit here. We've got a couple that we've already been able to put on the cross over here. We want to encourage you to pick up one of these and to pray for those individuals uh, who you know might be lost. Uh, maybe they 
Uh, maybe you don't know for sure that they're lost, but you, you assume they are because they're not maybe involved in church. We want to encourage you to take and write their name on this little blue half here. Uh, tear that off at the preparation there. Put that in the offering plate uh, as you leave. And then use the bookmark to be able to pray for those individuals for the next 30 days. So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, as you put those on the cross over here, we're going to be putting out some uh, prayer guides for people to be praying for those individuals. So you're not going to be the only one uh, praying for them. Others will be uh, praying for them also. And then if you're, the last thing is if you're a guest here this morning, uh, we want to encourage you to pick up one of our guest bags. If you came in this door out here, they're on the table. There's a couple here on the sides of the stage, and there are some out here uh, behind us in the hallway out here across from the offices. It's got some gifts in it for you uh, to say thank you for being here this morning, but it's also got some information about our church and our ministries uh, that we offer. So I uh, just wanted to share those things. Uh, and I guess I'll go ahead and say something about this too. I know Brother Rick's going to say uh, something a little bit later and just remind you about this. But we will not be having services this evening because of the weather. Uh, and do want to remind you that Wednesday night is in the balance there too. So be sure to stay close to to our social media uh, platforms. That's where we'll let you know if Awana gets canceled, Awana gets canceled, if Tullahoma schools get canceled. So you know we'll be here Wednesday night because Tullahoma schools never get canceled. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, <laughs> it may get canceled this Wednesday, but if it does, uh, and if the weather's uh, too bad that it may freeze things back over, we'll uh, be putting out some word about Wednesday night. So thank you, Brother Mike. Take your hymnals now and turn to 573 and join the choir as we sing Set My Soul Afire. We'll do all three, Tommy. <coughs>
Children's Church will be gathering over here on the piano side during this next song. And in our discussions this morning while we were practicing, it was recommended that maybe we let the ladies play it through this next song first so you can just hear the way the music goes. So we're going to sing 597, Here Am I, Send Me. And I would ask you to stand and join us. Here am I, send me. The ladies are going to play first. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 28. We're almost there to the end of our series of the life of Jesus. We'll be finishing up uh, next Sunday with the ascension of Jesus Christ and, so, and what happens in the New Testament church then as he ascends. So as we come to this passage this morning, I've entitled this message, The Main Thing. 
Because as you read Matthew's gospel, this is the main thing. The culmination of all that he's been writing about in his gospel is the culmination of the life of Jesus that he leaves with his disciples there, but also through virtue of that to us as his followers also. And so if you would, let's stand as a read God's word in honor of his word. Matthew chapter 28, we're just going to read verse 16 uh, for right now. So verse 16 says this, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I pray that we would truly understand from this passage what is the main thing for us as a church, as believers. Father, why are we still here on this earth until we draw our last dying breath or until the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns to call his church home. Father, I pray that you would help us to see the mission and, and the motive behind that mission of what we're to be doing. And Father, I pray that it, you would use this passage to stir our hearts, to spark a, a passion within our lives, Lord, to share the good news of the gospel with those that are in our circles of influence, in the places that you take us to. Lord, as we are going, may we make disciples. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. So as I said, as we come to these last parts here of Jesus' earthly life and, and the end of the Gospels, I want you to understand something here. As I said a while ago, this is not just the end. In fact, this is the climax. This is where Matthew has been going in his Gospel all along. This is where Jesus himself has been moving uh, through all of his life to this point. This message that Jesus gives to his disciples before he ascends to the Father in heaven is so important uh, that I can say to you in all honesty that if you understand all there is about the rest of the life of Jesus and you don't understand this, then you've missed the point. This is the climax of the Gospel of Matthew. It's, it, it, it ends on a very, very dramatic note. Everything, in a sense, has been foundational to this particular encounter with the truth of Jesus that we find in these verses. So let's just continue uh, reading here, if you will. Verse 17 goes on to say, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Verse 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19 Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Sorry for throwing you a curveball there, Tommy. I went putting all those verses in, but you did a great job keeping up there because uh, they're not in that order in my, in my presentation there. This is the purpose in these verses for, for which all of Matthew is written, and as we said, for which Jesus Christ came. It's a passage that we need to understand not only as a church, but as individual believers. You know, so many people don't understand what the mission 
of the church uh, is even those who are in the church sometimes don't understand. Many don't even give a thought as to what the mission might be or much less to be wholeheartedly dedicated to the fulfillment of the mission. So often in our lives we're focused on what we want. We come to church and, and what's the church going to give for me? What, what am I going to get out of it? Uh, rather than looking at, Lord, what do you want to use me to make a difference in other people's lives? And so this amazing and clear and very familiar passage and portion of Scripture reaffirms to us the primary responsibility of all Christians in the world. Uh, we enjoy Christian fellowship, uh, and, and it's rich and it's rewarding, but that is not our primary responsibility. Uh, we're called to praise the Lord. We're called to worship the Lord, and that too is very rich and that is very enriching, and, uh, but that is not our primary responsibility either. We're called to learn the Word of God, uh, to teach the Word of God, uh, that we might better understand the Scriptures. But that, as good as it is, as vital as it is, is not our primary responsibility. Our primary responsibility is summed up in one verb in the passage in verse 19 that says, make disciples. And then the breadth of it is given of all the nations. Not just our little local community that we live in, but our mission as the church here at Highland is to be making a difference for the kingdom of God here in, in our Jerusalem, in the Judea of Tennessee and beyond to the nation and to the world. And that's the primary reason we are here as a church. If we're safe for fellowship, then, then why didn't the Lord just take us on to heaven where fellowship is perfect? If we were saved for praise and for worship, why doesn't he take us on to heaven where praise and worship is unhindered and perfect? If we were saved for the sake of, of teaching and training and, and knowledge and wisdom, we ought to have been taken to heaven where knowledge is perfect. But the reason that we are left here on this earth is so that we might make disciples of all the nations. That is our God-given priority as a church. Jesus came, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was lost. And that, that's what it means to make disciples. The Greek verb is methoteo, uh, which is simply means to make disciples, to make a learner, to make a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're here for as believers. The Bible says that we're commanded to do that. The Bible also goes on to say, uh, as we're going to see more next week in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that we're equipped to do it because the Bible says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be, not you might be, not I hope you will, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And, and so... Every one of us who are here as believers this morning, you have received the Holy Spirit into your life. Uh, having received the Spirit at conversion, we have all the resources we need to do the mission God has before us of witnessing to the lost, of teaching and ministering and fellowshipping and worship, and all that's important. But the ultimate goal, the primary goal, is to do something. It isn't to do something with the saints, but it's to do something for the lost. And that's everyone's task. But we understand that and we know uh, that, but it's so often easy for us 
to forget that and to lose sight of that. We get sometimes too enamored in, 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 in Christian fellowship and in spiritual ministry and Christian relationships and so busy in church activities and service. I, I know this, I've struggled with this all my life uh, in ministry that uh, the people in my circles of influence tend to be believers. And I struggle with that in, in building relationships with people who are outside of those circles, who are, who are lost, who don't know Christ. And so I'm always having to keep an eye open for people that I might meet in the community, maybe a waitress, maybe uh, somebody who, who, who helps me at the grocery store, maybe a neighbor uh, in our community to build a relationship with them and to encourage them to faith in Christ. Because we get so focused and, and so surrounded by others who are like us. And so we lose sight of what our ultimate purpose is. All of these things, whether it's fellowship or whether it's teaching ministry or whether it's worshiping or, or praising, all of these things have to be put in their proper perspective. And we have to find ourselves obedient to this command that we see here in Matthew chapter 28. Now the question that I simply direct you to this morning and I believe that this text is, uh, answers is this question, what is it that is necessary to make us be effective in reaching the world? What is it that uh, would, would be necessary to make us effective in making disciples of all nations? In other words, what are the ingredients? What are uh, the, the qualifications, the, the motivational forces? What are the dynamics in our lives that ought to cause us to, to have that desire and to seek with all of our hearts to fulfill the command that the Lord has given to us. I believe there are five of those things that are given in this text this morning. And I believe in great measure they sum up all the necessary ingredients and the qualifications for effective evangelism. Five keys to making disciples. Five keys that we are to have if we are going to fulfill our, our main priority, the main thing, to keep the main thing, the main thing. So number one, and you may want to write these words down as we go through this, uh, the first is availability. Availability. Look back to verse 16, if you will. Verse 16 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Now, I believe every scripture that's given to us in the Bible is there for, for our edification, to help us to learn, to, to gain insight into things. And, and this verse in particular lays a foundation for us to show us that availability is one of the first, and, and I believe uh, the, the, the primary thing here, uh, that the primary key that we need to have to fulfill the mission God has before us. And so at this point here, it doesn't take somebody who's necessarily deep in, in Greek language to understand that when Jesus uh, said, meet me in a mountain in Galilee, some people showed up. It also seems to me that, that, that that's where any kind of effective ministry starts. It starts with showing up. If nobody shows up, how do you do the ministry? It starts with being initially available. Somebody said the greatest ability is availability. There's a sense in which that is true because no matter what other ability you might have, if you're not available, the other ability isn't of any consequence. Everything starts with being there. 
Everything starts with showing up. Now, we don't know specifically where this was. We know it's on a mountain, but we don't know specifically which mountain. There's no geographical indication of which particular mountain, other than it's a mountain, that Jesus has designated as the meeting place. We don't really know even the time that this occurred. Now, obviously, it occurs uh, after the resurrection, which has already happened. Uh, it's already, he, he, it's also after several post-resurrection appearances. It's after Luke 24 that we've looked at before, where Jesus appeared on the road to Emmaus. It's also after uh, the, he met uh, the meeting eight days after his resurrection that's recorded for us in John chapter 20 that we looked at a few weeks ago. It's surely after the meeting with the seven, that occurred in John 21 that we looked at last week where he meets the disciples uh, there on the seashore uh, and he's eating fish and he, they're out fishing uh, in the sea. They've gone back to their old profession. So sometime after the resurrection, after the eight-day appearance of the resurrection, after the appearing there on the Sea of Galilee, after they'd gone back to setting up their fishing business, sometime after all of that, somewhere between three and four weeks, no doubt, after the resurrection, remember the Lord ascends about 40 days, after about 40 days, so it would have been before that, somewhere between three and four weeks, probably after the resurrection, Jesus meets with his disciples. Now, it doesn't say that it was exclusively uh, the 11 disciples that were left minus Judas, who had already killed himself. It's very likely that not only that the disciples were there, but others were there also. In fact, the Scriptures tell us that there could have been up to 500. Jesus appeared over 500. Uh, it could have been up to 500 in Galilee, uh, where, where the preponderance of believers live. So somewhere, probably on a hillside, on a mountainside in Galilee, uh, a mountain that's unknown to us, a large crowd of disciples have gathered together with the 11. Now, this crowd was believers uh, with all of their weaknesses, with all of their questions, with all of their confusion, with all of their fear, with all of their bewilderment about, about how it was Jesus had, had wound up dying on a cross, and now they're ready to see, some of them to see Jesus for the first time ever after his resurrection. And so some of their confusion and some of their questioning, they pray and they hope is going to be resolved in this meeting. So Jesus has said, go to this place. And so there's people showing up. Understand the reality that nothing happens except to those who are available to have it happen. Those who showed up are the ones who get to experience this with Jesus. When Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8 says, here am I, send me, he was, repeated, he, he was repeating the point of availability, which is the starting point for effective service to Jesus Christ. They were there. They wanted to see the living Christ. There was enough desire in their hearts to follow him, to bring them to this place. And because they were there, they were privileged with his presence, with his promise, and with these words, the Great Commission. Now, at some point, it's fair to say that, that fulfilling the mission duty of your life to make disciples of other people begins with meeting the Lord at the appointed place in, in the Word of God, in prayer, and in the assembly of the redeemed. You're never going to have any kind of impact on this world unless you're willing to set aside time to be alone with the Lord, uh, to be in His Word, to be with His people, to be in prayer. Now, there are some people... They never bother to go uh, to the lost because they can't even bother to, to get together with the saved. 
Uh, they never have much to say to those who are without Christ uh, because they have very little to say to the Lord himself. So you have to ask yourself about your availability because I'm convinced that those people who are to, who are to, make the mo to be the most effective in making disciples are doing that because there's an overflow of a closeness of living with and in Christ. They choose to be in the Word of God. They choose to be in prayer. They choose to be joined together uh, with the redeemed, with other believers. Uh, out of that kind of fellowship with the presence of a living Lord comes that motivation for us to carry out the cause and the command that he gives here. So the first thing you need to see this morning is you showed up. You're here this morning. You're not here by accident or happenstance. You're here because God brought you here this morning, brought you to our online platform there to hear the word of God as he speaks to your heart. You've made yourself available. Here's the second thing, worship, worship. Look again at verse 17 and verse 18, especially verse 17. Verse 17 says, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. Now, proskuneo is the Greek word there for worshiped, and it means that they literally prostrated themselves before the Lord, before Jesus, in an adoring worship. That is the right response, and I'm sure if, if we had been there that day, if we had seen the resurrected Lord on that day, it would have been such an overwhelming experience that we ourselves would have fallen on our faces, prostrate in an adoring wonder as we saw the resurrected Lord. They worshipped Him. They were in awe of Him. They already loved Him. They already trusted Him. They had already affirmed their praise to Him, but notice that this is consistent all throughout Matthew's emphasis. If you go back to the very beginning of the first chapter or two in Matthew's gospel, he introduces the coming of Christ and his birth. And Matthew in his gospel is very careful to point out that there were wise men, there were magi who came and worshipped him. And now when you come to the end of his gospel... Uh, here as he concludes his gospel, he's very concerned here also in his gospel to point out again that he was worshipped. Uh, back in chapter 28 and verse 9, he talks about the fact that, that even before this, there were those who expressed worship to him as they took hold uh, of his feet. You see, the one who came to be worshipped is worshipped here. He was to be worshipped. He was worshipped because of uh, when he accomplished redemption by his sacrifice uh, it, it, on the cross uh, of himself as he appeared to his people. But notice at the end of verse 17, even with all that they had seen, some were doubtful. Some doubted. Now, some might say, as you're reading this gospel, why in the world would Matthew put that in there? Why would he say some doubted? I mean, if you look at that, uh, you don't have to say that. that. Some might say, well, that plants a seed of, uh, of doubt in somebody's mind who, who's skeptical of the Scripture uh, that says, I don't know if I can really believe that. And if you think that's strange for me, then realize that there were some people that were there that day who saw Jesus after his resurrection, and they doubted too. It seems like when you look at it, that it could cause some confusion for someone uh, in, in their unbelief. So why does that have to be said, that some doubted? 
Well, the answer is very simple. It's because it was true. The Bible always is transparently honest. Uh, the biblical writer here, Matthew, is never caught up in, in some human effort to convince people of the resurrection uh, by made-up and selective reporting to, to cherry-pick the events to say, here's how it all came to be. And you see that all throughout the Gospels, warts and all about the disciples. The biblical writer here isn't, isn't just selectively gathering evidence. They, they just record the facts. He records the truth. And, and the truth is... Some were doubtful, not surprising. I mean, think about it. They weren't used to seeing resurrected people. I mean, they had their doubts because that's a part of the fallenness of, of mankind. It's part of the human sinful nature. And they had to, 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 they, they, to this point, uh, they had not seen the resurrected Christ. They had heard that he was risen. And so think about it. You know, if, if I don't wear my glasses, you're just a big blur out there. Some of you wear glasses. You take your glasses off, you can't see anything. It's all a big blur. You know, think about that. You ever thought about it up until the invention of glasses that a large portion of the population saw a fuzzy world? And here you have a lot of people on this mountainside. Maybe the sun's bright. It usually would be in, in that part of the world. Uh, Jesus was a little far off in his glorified body, which had kind of a presence that was to one degree or another a bit unrealistic or unlike what they had been familiar with before. And, and here they're trying to focus their unaided eyes on this somewhat distant figure and, and trying to force, focus their, their, their weak faith on the reality of the risen Christ. Now, I don't think it was doubt here that chooses to reject evidence. I believe this doubt that we see here in this part of the gospel is it was an honest doubt that just needed more evidence. And so notice in verse 18, in the beginning of verse 18, Jesus does an interesting thing. And Jesus came and said to them. Isn't that interesting? Why do you think he did that? Why do you think he came? I think it was to give them more evidence. Because you think back to when they were in the upper room, uh, you think about uh, wh what did he say to Thomas in the upper room? He said, look, see the scars, uh, the nail prints in my hand, see the, the place in my side. They, they, he needed to see the physical evidence there. I think it was to give them more evidence. Uh, and that's plenty of evidence to see uh, the nail prints in his hand. Jesus approaching them, the Greek text says, uh, they, they just weren't sure that it's really the Lord because they hadn't seen him before. Only the 11 and some women had seen him, and this isn't something that happens every day. So Jesus came nearer, and he came nearer and nearer to erase any doubt. Whatever it was about his resurrection glory... It didn't change the fact that he could be recognized by those who had seen him before his death. And so they saw his beauty, and they saw that appearance so mild and yet so almighty, so entirely human and yet so divine, so mild and yet so powerful, uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the, the conqueror of death and hell, and yet the lamb of God. They saw him. And I am sure that after Jesus came, when they saw him, they found themselves ashamed and joined those who worshiped.
to worship is to acknowledge deity, to acknowledge majesty, to acknowledge sovereignty, to acknowledge glory. And that's essential, I believe, in the life of one who would be a disciple maker. So let me ask you this morning, do you worship Jesus? Not half-heartedly, but with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Because understand this, it's only when you're consumed with the love of Jesus, when you're consumed with, with adoring praise to Jesus, that you're literally controlled by that. We don't evangelize, we don't share the gospel in a vacuum. It, it comes out of a worshiping heart. If you really love the Lord Jesus with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, you can't help but tell others about Jesus. So what you love ought to consume you. But understand, there are those who, who, are not, who aren't worshiping like they should. They, their worship is thin. Their worship is shallow. Their worship is infrequent and sporadic. They say they love Jesus, but it's not a cultivated, intimate, consu consuming love that, that produces an, an ongoing, ending praise and worship from their heart. And as a result motivating them to do his work and to support his cause and to preach his message is nearly impossible because the truth of the matter is this, they're rather occupied with their own agenda. And that happens across churches all across our world. Understand this, when we get to the place that we finally say he must increase and I must decrease, then making disciples will become the priority in your life. Where's your heart? Because if your heart is set on Jesus, then Jesus is everything. His cause is everything. His purpose is all you live for. And so in order to make disciples, then you have to start with availability, and then you proceed to worship. And then there's a third word that we find in verse 18 uh, of submission. Now, you could even use the word participation if you wanted to here instead of submission. But when Matthew began this gospel, he introduced Jesus, as we said, as a king. He gives his royal lineage uh, in, in his uh, lineage there in the beginning of Matthew's gospel. We talked about those, those magi who came and acknowledged him as a king. He began with the fact that he was a king, and king means sovereign. And now as he ends this gospel, it's the th same thing. Because notice what verse 18 uh, goes on to tell us. Uh, he says, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Which is another way to say that he is king of kings and lord of lords. He is sovereign over all sovereigns. He's the one who's in charge. He's the only one who has absolute authority. And so we're called to submit. We're called to participate in his kingdom. Now that word authority is the Greek word excusia. It could be translated permission, it's sometimes translated privileged, uh, sometimes a, a power or sometimes right or authority. But I think the simplest definition is this, complete freedom of action. In other words, nothing causes his action. He's completely free to cause it himself. There's nothing that hinders his action, it's complete freedom of action, it's authority. You act independently 
of any other person or influence. Now, this particular authority is not authority like a great conqueror gets when he conquers a nation, and on the basis of what he's done, he's the authority. This is authority that's based on who he is, not on what he's done in the truest and purest sense. He is God. Also, if that's not enough, it says all authority. No exceptions. All authority. Total sovereign. Total right to rule. It's been given to him by God the Father. And so this statement is also intended to establish for us and for the disciples who's in charge. Not the disciples. Not us. But Jesus. And, and so he is the king. He is the authority. And, and he is sovereign authority over heaven and earth and all. And that means all of us. We are to submit to that authority. What are the necessary ingredients for effective making of disciples? First of all, to be available, to be present. Secondly, to be filled with awe and wonder and a heart of worshiping love. And then thirdly, to be submissive and eager to participate in the purposes of that great king of all kings. So, you know, so many of us are caught up in the, in the empty, trivial things of this world. We're spending our time and our, our life and our talent and our, our energies and our money and our resources on things that are going to burn up and burn away. You're not going to be able to take any of those things with you when you die. And we're wondering why God doesn't use us to make disciples. And the reason is, is because we have to back up and start with these attitudes. The first place to go to is for correction in our heart and to check it out is to ask, do I have a willing heart? Have I made myself available to the Lord? Have I just showed up? Are you there listening to the voice of God? Are you dwelling with him? Are you hearing him speak through the Spirit? Do you have a worshiping heart? Do you have a humble heart submitting to the privilege of sharing in the kingdom work? Not that, not that you're focused on, this is my life and I'm going to live it the way I want to. I did it my way. There's another essential element. Very crucial. It's the fourth one. It's found in verse 19. And that's obedience. Notice verse 19 begins, go therefore. Now the word therefore is a good place uh, for that transition. It's saying this, if you're available, if you're worshipful, if you're submissive, therefore go. And here we come directly in contact with obedience. We have here in this verse... A command, uh, the command is making disciples. The word go is not in the imperative. He says, therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so notice there that, that we have a command in this verse. That word go is not an imperative. It is a participle. There are three participles in this verse. There's the word go or going, baptize or baptizing, 
And then one in verse 20, as it says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now understand what participles do. Let's go back to an English class. What do participles do? They modify the verb. They modify the action verb there. So how do you make disciples? You make disciples by going. You make disciples by baptizing. You make disciples by teaching. That's a simple structure. Going, he says, that's very obvious. I mean, how are you going to make disciples of all the nations unless you're going? The assumption here is that they're not coming to you, you're to go to them. Now, we do see in our world, in the society we live in today, that because we have not gone, the Lord is bringing the world to us. Those three participles put us in touch with this very simple command to make disciples of all nations, and, and it describes how it's to be done. It's interesting when you compare what Mark's gospel has to say in chapter 16, where Mark records Jesus, and he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 47... He says, you do that, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name, where? To all nations. So it says, make disciples, that involves going, that involves proclaiming or preaching the gospel, which involves forgiveness of sins, followed by baptism, followed by teaching to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. There you have the sum of it all. But it starts with going, or literally having gone. The assumption is, is that you're not going to do this until you've gone somewhere. It all starts with going. But I want you to focus on that second thought, that second word of baptizing, for us going maybe across uh, the campus at our school. It, It may be across the street and talking to our neighbor. It may be across the state. It may be across the country. It may be across the oceans. But let's look at that word baptizing term there. In Mark's gospel, it says preach the gospel. In Luke's gospel, it says preach forgiveness of sins. Here all it says is make disciples by going and baptizing. You say, where is the gospel here? Well, the assumption here is that you know the word baptizing is loaded with the proclaiming of the gospel because to be baptized is to be visibly carrying out a symbol that illustrates the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How can you show that picture if you've never heard that? Baptism was a simple public sign, a public confession that a person has identified themselves in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. It assumes then that the preaching of the gospel, the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and all that is involved in its significance. So baptism, many times in the New Testament, became inseparable from leading people to the knowledge of Jesus, that when you said baptism, you were also referring to conversion. When he says baptizing them, he means leading them to the knowledge of Jesus Christ or proclaiming the gospel so that they identify with Jesus in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. And they commit themselves to him to confess to him, uh, confess him as their Lord and their Savior. That's all inherent in the word baptizing. That's how we're to evangelize. We're to be obedient to this pattern. We start with availability. We proceed to worship. 
then submission, then obedience, and fifthly and finally, notice in verse 20, power. Power. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Such a noble responsibility, such an eternal task demands something beyond our own resources, beyond what we can do. Because understand this, I can't save anybody, and neither can you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to save people. We're to go in that power and in that presence. So at the end of verse 20, we have this great promise. He is with you to the end of the age. Now, what's he mean by the end of the age there? He means till the second coming, which is what he has in mind here. He says you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When you read in Acts uh, 1 verse 8, he is with you always in the form of his indwelling Holy Spirit. And so what a great truth that we see there. Jesus is our power. Jesus is our resource. And so throughout Matthew's gospel, you see Jesus' universal lordship. You see his power. You see his authority. Uh, but think about how some of, these, uh, some of the ways that this is played out in, in these 28 chapters in, in Matthew's gospel. It, it shows in Matthew's gospel that he has authority over nature and the nations. You remember he, he calmed the sea with a rebuke showing his power over nature. His authority over the nations is one of the central themes of the Great Commission because all people are called, uh, were to be his disciples. His, he shows his authority in Matthew's gospel over disease and over demons. You see miracle after miracle. Jesus speaks, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are healed, the disease is gone. He speaks and demons flee. And Matthew presents all of that in his gospel to show that he has authority over disease and demons. He also shows that he has authority over sin and over death. As the Son of God, Jesus has power and authority to forgive sin. Uh, against God. He also has authority to overcome our ultimate enemy, death, which is the payment for our sin because he's the one who paid it for us. He has authority over our lives because if you're a believer, you have been bought with his precious blood. You are no longer your own. You are his. So stop trying to do what you want to do and start doing what he wants you to do. He has authority over your lives. And so, so for the believer, there ought to be in our lives a glad submission to the lordship of Jesus every single day of our life. And this means in relation to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 18 through verse 20, that we have to be open in our lives to whatever the Lord calls us to. So even if nobody else goes along with you, if you know in your heart that the Lord is opening an opportunity or once has commanded you to go and to speak to a person in the community or persons in the community or to minister to people in a certain way in our community or maybe to go somewhere else across our nation or to go even overseas, even if nobody else goes with you, you need to be obedient to what the Lord lays on your heart. That's the reason he laid it on your heart to start with. Not for you to say, here's what I think you ought to do, preacher. No, he laid it on your heart. He's calling you. He has authority over our lives. And he has authority over every life. 
Jesus has authority over every life in this world. And that's why we are to seek to make disciples of all nations. Availability, worship, submission, obedience, and power. And when those are a part of your life, then and only then will you begin to be effective for God. Here's what David said to the people in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 5 that I close with. He said this, Who is willing to consecrate his service this day to the Lord? That's the question. Who's willing to consecrate their service to the Lord this day? Who's willing to be available to the Lord's presence? Who here this morning is willing to worship the Lord's person? Who here this morning is willing to submit to the Lord's authority over your life? Who here is willing to obey the Lord's plan, to be empowered by the Lord's might and His resources? Are you? If you are, here's what that means. It means stripping your life down to the priorities. And what is the priority? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we realize this morning that there's no single individual that is here this morning that can reach the nations by themselves. We realize, Lord, and we know that we can only reach the world one person at a time. So, Father, I pray this morning, if there are those who are here, first of all, who need that relationship with Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for their sins, who love them with an everlasting love, who who is in this passage uh, soon to be getting ready to ascend to the Father in heaven, who's given us a command to go. Lord, those individuals can't go because they don't even know yet. They haven't even received that free gift of salvation yet. And so, Father, I pray that if there are those who have realized this morning, I need that relationship first with Jesus. I need to know him as my Lord and my Savior. Then, Lord, I pray they would cry out to you and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected from the grave on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life and save me. And help me to live for you all the days of my life. I repent of my sin, I turn away from it, and I turn to follow you, Jesus. Lord, if there's someone who's prayed something like that in their heart this morning, maybe even in their own words, Lord, I pray they would come this morning to publicly profess that faith in Christ and then to follow through in the waters of believers' baptism to give that picture of what Christ has done in their lives. Lord, I dare say there are many who are here this morning some even who are watching online, who they've already made that profession of faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but somewhere along the way, life has become about them and not about you. It's become about their priorities and their agenda rather than the main thing and keeping the main thing the main thing. So Father, I pray this morning that we would come as believers with repentant hearts, 
saying, Lord, here I am. I have not made myself available as I should, and I come to make myself available. Lord, I have not worshipped you and experienced true worship in your presence as I should because I've been more focused on the things of this world. Lord, I pray this morning that if there are those who, who are here this morning who, who realize I have not submitted myself to you. It's been about the pride of my own life. Lord, I pray they'd come to submission. There are others, Lord, who realize, Lord, I've not been obedient. Maybe not a willful disobedience, but I just didn't do what you told me to do, what you've commanded me to do in this passage. Lord, I pray they would come with repentant hearts. Lord, there may be some of us who are here this morning that we've been trying to do things in our own strength, in our own might. And you want us to come into the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit within our lives and to just do what you've commanded us to do and let you work in and through us to make a difference and an impact for your kingdom in this world where you've placed us. Lord, bring us one person this week. One person that we can start praying for. One person we can reach for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, I surrender all. Maybe you need to come this morning to this altar in repentance. Would you come as we stand, as we sing? Whatever decision you need to make, Brother Mike, come and lead us if you will. going to come and share a few announcements with you. A um, couple of announcements and uh, just some reminders. Um, keep, key, uh, please keep uh, Brian's friend Kim Sanders, Saunders in your prayers. She has cancer and just keep her in her prayers with that. Um, so stuff for tonight is canceled. Uh, the men's ministry that's at five o'clock is canceled. The uh, deacons meeting that was at four o'clock will be next week and then no services tonight. Um, reminders that um, next week, Sunday, January 20th, um, 8 o'clock in the morning, we have a men's ministry breakfast here. 
And if you're helping out with that, be here at 7 to help start cooking. And then that evening, the Duck River Baptist Association, um, the Men's Association Fellowship is having that dinner at 5 o'clock with a program after that for a couple hours. Um, please let Brother Jim know if you're going to that so he can get them a number of how many are going. Um, Matt needs uh, youth camp deposits as soon as possible, so get those to him if you have plans on any of your kids going to camps this summer. And um, Awana will be following the school schedule, so if school is canceled, Awana will be canceled. Um, so keep, in keep that in mind, but also if something changes through the weather through the week um, and uh, school is still in session but things kind of change throughout the evening or that um, both Awana may or may not be canceled, um, and then also services may be canceled on Wednesday. So just keep that in mind with all the stuff going on. Um, also, keep in mind that February 3rd is the chili cook-off with the youth. That's a really good time to uh, come show off your skills at cooking, and you get a lot to eat. Um, there, uh, Matt has told me very specifically there is an epic prize for the winner of that. Um, so come uh, support the youth with that, but also have a good night of fellowship. And I believe that's it. So if you'll go with me to the Lord in prayer, we'll close out. Dear gracious Lord, our Heavenly Father, we just come before you with humble hearts and uh, thankful hearts with everything you give us each and every day, Lord. Um, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you this morning, Lord, and ask you to continue our worship throughout the week. Um, we ask you to forgive us where we fail you, Lord, in sin, but we thank you so much for Jesus Christ and what he's done for us to cover those sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.